Well, praise God, brothers and sisters. My name is Alex. I am, um, uh, I, you know, serve here in this church. Uh, for some of you guys that may not know me, um, I love Jesus. I love serving people. I also serve in Bible college. Um, and um, I wanted to say thank you to Igor for his uh, testimony. It was amazing. Praise God. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a good testimony. Praise Jesus. Um, and, um, and I also want to say that how important these discussions are. It, they really are important. And, and um, it really prepares the soil, right? It really prepa- it makes you start thinking. Um, I realized that maybe the questions that I was asking weren't exactly what people were getting out of them. Um, but um, <laughs> at least let's just start with this. Um, why do we pray if God knows everything ahead of time? If you can just, you know, just real quick, somebody from, from, your, from, from a group, if you can just shout out, like, what, 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 what were your conclusions to this question? Just real quick, a couple, a couple of answers. Comfort, repentance, okay. Come on, not everybody at once. Relationship, very good, yeah. Building your faith, okay. Absolutely, yes, yes, very good, very good stuff. I love it, I, I really do. I think that it is so crucial that that we do this, right, is, is we think about these things, right? Because these are the questions that people ask, especially unbelievers. Um, what, about, what about the second one? Real quick. <laughs> the question is, the answer is no. <laughs> um, I'm not going to keep you, I guess, in suspense too much. And, and I, I, don't, I don't claim to have all the answers, okay? I, I don't. Um, but I, I really thought that this would be really good to think about, to really discuss, um, and, and to hopefully spark some interest in you so that you can dig some more, okay? Um, so I am going to, um, the passage that we read today, um, was from Matthew 6, 5 through 15. We, we read it earlier. Um, and, you know, the question, I'd like to answer the question is, why do we pray, right? And just highlight a few things. Everything that was said here is absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Um, it, 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 you know, good answers, very good answers. Uh, we pray, so when I think of a prayer, the first thing that comes to my mind is, it is a relationship. It is a relationship with God, right? Um, God went to great lengths to build a relationship with us. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have life, and so that we can have righteousness, and so that we can have a relationship with him. So the, the number one thing um, that we're doing in prayer is a communication, right? We are talking to God, and God wants to talk to us. Um, and I think that, that everyone kind of agrees with that. The other thing that I wanted to point out that maybe is not so obvious is that our words, and that's what I want to kind of focus on uh, maybe 
you know, as like a main theme of, of this sermon is, is our words are really important. And what we say is also important. If we look at this passage, right? Um, so, so Jesus says this, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you're praying, do not use thoughtless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is where the question stems, right? Is your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So what Jesus is really saying here is, do not say meaningless repetitions. Instead, say this, right? So if we look at, um, in Luke, the similar story is written in Luke, um, where he's, he's teaching his disciples to pray. But in, in that story, um, you know, dis- disciples come to Jesus and they see him praying. And they ask him, teach us how to pray. So that's the background story in Luke. And, and I, I really think that, that maybe Jesus have taught them a few different times. And so there's, there's different scenarios that happen there. But, you know, they, they say, you know, they see Jesus pray and they say, Teach us how to pray. What are the right things we need to say in prayer? What, you know, and so Jesus says, there are things that you can say that are wrong, like thoughtless repetitions. Let me ask you something. How many times have you said the Lord's Prayer in church as a thoughtless repetition? No, that never happens. (laughs) Never happened to you before, right? Praying, ochinash. And not thinking about one word you're saying. Right? We have done exactly the opposite of what Jesus was saying here. He was saying, do not be like the Gentiles and use thoughtless repetitions. And we have turned this prayer into this thoughtless repetition. What, what, it, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, so I, I'm going to circle around to what we pray is important. What we say, our words are really, really important. Because Jesus kind of does this contrast. Don't be like the Gentiles and say this. Instead, say these words. If we look at Hebrews 11.3, God created everything out of the invisible with his word, contrary to the first law of thermodynamics, which states that the energy cannot be created or destroyed, God created everything out of the invisible in, in our visible world with his words. So in a sense, you can say that God's word is the most powerful energy in the universe. The other conclusion that we can make from that is that the spiritual realm is primary. And our physical is secondary. And what happens in the spiritual world directly impacts what happens in the physical world. A good example is Moses standing on top of the mountain praying. And he lifts his hands up. And all of a sudden, the whole army gets an energy boost. Everyone had a Red Bull. They become stronger. They they start fighting better. 
and they start advancing, right? What does Moses standing on top of the mountain have to do with anything? It has to do with strategy, with weapons, with, with um, how much sleep they had the night before. I mean, all of these different things, right? You would think. But no, absolutely not. It has to do with what Moses is doing up there on the mountain. What does that tell you? Spiritual world is primary. What happens in the spiritual world directly impacts the physical in ways we cannot explain. They may, it makes no sense how do, do thousands of people get an energy boost to start fighting harder, better, smarter, faster. How does that happen? Impossible to explain. Words have what I, be, I believe that words in the spiritual realm are physical entities. They look completely different. And in the, in the spiritual realm, it's completely different with the, the weight of the word versus in the physical world. We don't see words. We don't put any weight in them. Sometimes we say things lightly. But in Revelations 12, 11, it says the Christians um, have overcome the devil with the word of their testimony. They have overcome the devil with the word of their testimony. The other example is Proverbs 18.21. The power of life and death is, is in the tongue. Um, actually, let me read that. Um, death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is, uh, you know, the, he, he realized, the author realized, uh, Solomon realized that words have a huge impact. Another example that I'd like to give is we all have been given, or a lot of us, have been given the gift of tongues, right? An unknown language um, that we pray, and we have no idea what we're praying. God doesn't do things without a purpose. These words that we are saying have power. When we say them, first, we are edified. This is what the Bible teaches. We are edified. And second of all, we are praying the will of God. And we are praying the will of God into existence with our words. Our words are important. That is why Jesus says, do not be like the Gentiles that say things with, without meaning. Instead, say these words. And this is the model of the prayer. I believe that it should not be used only as, you know, these, these exact phrases. It can also be used as a model for our prayer. Because these are the topics that Jesus identified as important. He says that you need to pray these things because they are important. And we're going to break these things down. But before we do that, I want to come back a little bit and talk about um, the, you know, praying in secret. You know, it, it's interesting. We had a, one of the dis discussion topics was that if you are, you know, praying uh, or you see somebody posting something on social media and, um, and you're tempted to do so, um, is it okay to do that, right? Is it going to be a testimony to unbelievers? And, you know, and we kind of 
kind of discuss back and forth and, you know, what is the right thing to do. Um, and and what, what I was trying to get at, and maybe um, I, I was not exactly clear with my question, but what I was trying to get at is a lot of times today people will post their devotional time, the time spent with God, and they get their reward here on earth. Because Jesus says, when you pray, you are to go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And, you know, just recently I was reading this passage in Hebrews eleven six, 6, um, and it says these words, Hebrews eleven six. 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. We all know this verse really well. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, here's something that really stood out to me just recently. It's the second part of this verse, right? So, so here's what, what the author is saying. That it is impossible to please God without faith. Number one, what kind of faith? Number one, you have to believe that God exists, okay? And we all can agree with that, probably 99.9%. But it's the second part that really stood out to me. It says, because it, it has an end, right? And um, anyone who comes to him uh, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, so we, can, we can do this. We can take out the part that says must believe that he exists. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, God is pleased with people that seek him. And seek him earnestly. In fact, it is impossible to please God without that faith. This is a statement that he makes, the author of Hebrews, in the beginning of chapter 11. And if anyone knows what is written in chapter 11, it, it is a story about people, uh, the, the, the God's you know, man of faith, right? It's about Abraham and Noah and Moses and people that please God with their faith. But it's interesting that he makes this statement at the very beginning of the chapter, and then if we read the chapter, we will realize that what he's actually doing is he's given examples from the Old Testament to prove his point. He says that Moses rejected to be uh, called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he saw a greater reward ahead of him. Then he says Abraham um, came out of the city he was in where he was comfortable, and he wandered around the desert because he had a greater reward in front of him. This is what Jesus is talking about here. You are to pray in secret so that you do not lose your reward. And anyone who comes to God must believe that whoever earnestly, whoever seeks God with all of their heart, is going to be rewarded by God. When we go and we start sharing this information with people around us, what I believe happens is our flesh wants feedback. 
We want the positive feedback that we're doing the right thing. And what happens is, you know, somebody looks at that and goes, whoa, that's cool. You know, man, that, that guy or that girl's spiritual. There goes your reward. I just wanted to point that out because I think it is important. In today's world with social media, with everything that, go, that goes on, and you are seeking God. You are really, you know, you're, you're searching for his heart. And your flesh will tempt you to share this information. Your flesh will be like, well, why don't you just post it? Why don't you just let people around you know? Because you are, man, you're doing such a good job at this. But God says, no. Believe. You have to have faith that God will reward you. And maybe it doesn't look like there's any kind of effect that's happening. And maybe you're fasting and you're praying, but you don't see results. Take it by faith that anyone that comes to God must believe that he will reward them. Coming back around to, um, to the prayer. So we talked about the, that our words are important, right? So I'd like to, um, to break down the actual prayer. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, I think that it really should be used as a t more of a template for our prayers. It should be really used as something that, uh, like a model that we follow. So then he says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first statement um, is actually pretty radical for people of that time. Um, I think it was more probably addressed to them, although we wouldn't know that he's our Father if he didn't say that. But to them, that was something new. When Jesus would say, our Father, um, people didn't, didn't really perceive God as their Father, right? Because when Jesus is having a discussion with Pharisees, and he's trying to tell them that their father is a devil, um, they are like, no, 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 our father is Abraham, right? So this is what they believe. They believe that their father was Abraham, but Jesus is saying here that your father, who is in heaven, right, that brings a completely different dynamic in a relationship, right? So this is the prayer that he wants us to pray is, God, you are my dad. Not only is it a statement of that the creator of the universe is my father, it is also a statement of me. I am a daughter and the son of a living God, and I matter. I have value because God values me. He has done everything. He has sent his son so that I would have this relationship with him, that I would be his son and his daughter. And I think it's a statement. It's a statement that um, goes against, you know, all the values that this world tries to place on, on you know, young generation today, especially. Um, it, he is our father, and we are valued by him. We are loved by him. Can you all say amen to that? Amen. And then he's, hallowed be your name. It's interesting that the worship is in the beginning of the prayer. I, I was raised... Um, that, you know, we first have to repent, right? You come before God and you say, God, I've messed up, and then you spend all of your prayer just kind of, you know, feeling sorry for, for all, everything you've done, and you feel like you're not worthy to come. Jesus says, you start with worship. This is a model for a prayer. God, you are holy. 
Your name is holy. That's what the angels are doing. This is the priorities that Jesus is setting. Start with worship. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And one of the questions was, what is the kingdom of God? Where is it, right? Because we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom is in heaven. But we are praying so that it would come to earth just like it is in heaven. Are you following me? That's what, that's what you pray every day or every time you pray this prayer. The topic of the kingdom of God is very big in the New Testament. When I did the study, and I actually have a sermon on that, uh, you know, I was amazed. I really was. Um, at how much Jesus actually talked about the kingdom of God. If you look at, a, at his parables, more than half of his parables were about the kingdom of God. The Bible also, he also says, seek first, can you help me? The kingdom of God, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. And then he says things like, I was sent to this earth to preach the message of the kingdom of God. You know, there, there was a situation, people were trying to hold him up in one city, and he says, no, 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 I got to go further. Because I was sent to preach the kingdom of God. And everywhere where you see um, Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, he always said this phrase, which is kind of interesting. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it is really close. But you will never find, I haven't found it, maybe you did, uh, let me know. But you, I haven't found where it says that the kingdom of God has come. And it's so interesting because the, the, the topic of the kingdom was very, very hot topic. People discussed it. People wanted to hear that because they were so tired of this Roman Empire that was enslaving them. And, and so they're like, oh, finally, somebody's talking about a kingdom. And, and so everybody's asking him. They, you know, the Pharisees ask Jesus, and he says such puzzling words. The kingdom of God is within you. And they're like, what? They never got it. Nobody got it. His disciples were with him for three years, and they never got it. You know why? Because Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven. He's, they're standing on the mountain. And, I mean, this is it. He's, he's leaving. And they're asking him, Jesus, is this the time you're restoring your kingdom? They still, they still didn't get it. They were still lost. They were like, I thought we're gonna, there's going to be a kingdom here. And he's, he's ascending, like, what? But Jesus says, no, it's not your time to know. Uh, it's not your place to know the times. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. That's what you told them. So they go back, and what happens? The Holy Spirit comes. And that is when I believe the kingdom of God came to this world. Why do I say that? Because when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and they're having this discussion, Jesus says, if you are not born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If you are not born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay? 
Apostle Paul in, uh, in Romans 14.17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The key word here is in the Holy Spirit. Right? Remember what Jesus says? It is within you. And the apostle says that it is through the Holy Spirit that the kingdom of God is in the born-again believers. You and me. And this is what we are praying. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to this world, to this earth, and he brought the kingdom of God here. He brought it here. And it is within all of us. It is the relationship with God. It is the righteousness, the right standing with God, right? Apostle Paul says that um, it is the peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you this question. Um, when you are sharing your faith with somebody, with a non-believer, what is it that you are telling them? What is the message that you are, you are sharing? What do you say? Repent or you will burn forever, right? In essence, in essence, right? You know, you're going to go to hell, so I don't want you to go to hell. I feel sorry for you, so you should repent. But that's not what Jesus was preaching. That is not the message that Jesus was trying to portray. He never really says things like, repent, otherwise you will go to hell. You never see that in the New Testament. He says these words, literally, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then he sends his disciples by two. He sends, you know, groups of disciples and he sends them to preach the message of the kingdom. What does that mean to you and me today? And what does it look like? The kingdom of God is within us. The Holy Spirit that is within us, this is where it starts. And I believe that Jesus meant for us to spread this kingdom on this, in this world, here on earth. It is so that people are born again. So that they find God. And so that they see the righteousness, joy, and peace in you. That kingdom that is in you. And they are added to the kingdom. This is what we pray. Your kingdom come. So that your kingdom is advanced in this world. Your kingdom come. And your will be done. First of all, in my life. It's a statement. It is a statement. Your will be done. In other words, what you're saying is, I submit. One of the questions in discussion was, can you change the will of God? The question should really be posed, should you be praying for the will of God to be changed? The answer is no. Because Jesus taught it, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to pray. This is what's important to say in a prayer. 
That's, that's Jesus' message. He's saying, don't say these repetitions. Say this. This is what's important. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that through me, I submit myself, my life, I lay down and I say, you are the king. Your kingdom is here. It's coming. It is being spread by the Holy Spirit and through his people. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth, just like it is in heaven, that heavenly atmosphere of peace and joy and righteousness would come through all of us. And we would impact the world. Amen? Amen. Moving on. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting prayer to pray. Um, I don't think anybody really means that. When was the last time you prayed um, for you to have something to eat tomorrow? Or, or tonight? Like, God, please give me dinner because I don't know what I'm going to eat. Right? Not really. No. We, we live in the, in the world of prosperity. We have enough to eat. But this is God's standard. He says, if you have in, you know, your daily bread for your day to day, you're good. What do, what do our, our needs look like most of the time? God, please give me a better car and a better, you know, I need a better job or, you know, and, and all these things. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the importance of needs. I think the needs are important. Jesus says, you know, seek and you will find, knock and you'll be answered. Um, I think this is the time, if we're using this, you know, prayer as a model, this would be the time when we'd be asking for needs. But I think that it's important to look at the perspective and understand that he says that um, if we have our daily bread, that is a standard. You know, if we, if we you know, have um, enough food and, and, and we have clothes and, you know, we need to be thanking God. Thank you, Jesus, for, for what I have. Because some people literally have to pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread because we don't have enough. We don't have something to eat tonight. And forgive us our debts as we also have for, uh, forgiven our debtors. Um, again, another statement. Another statement saying, um, please forgive me as I am forgiving other people. Uh, I was reading the story, you know, about a Sunday school teacher who was teaching a class, and she did such a good job. She thought, "Okay, I think they all get it." And so she um, she says, "Okay, um, now the last question: What do you need to do so that God would forgive your sins?" And some little kid from the back raises his hand and says, "Sin." Right? You need to do a sin so God can forgive it, forgive you. But no, not really. Um, if we don't forgive people, it's a simple formula. Um, and it sounds simple, but it's not. It really is not easy to forgive. Uh, but we have to understand something. That if we do not forgive, God will not forgive us. And there's no way around that, right? You, there's, no, there's nothing you can, you can do about that. Forgiveness is a choice. And if somebody has really hurt you and, and you're, you, you're saying inside of you, well, you don't know what they've done. 
You don't know what they've done to Jesus. Right? And he forgave them. He made a choice to forgive them. We are to forgive other people. Otherwise, God will not forgive us. It's, it's just plain and simple, just like that. And um, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, again, we had an interesting discussion earlier in the beginning about not leading us into temptation because temptations can be good for us or testing, I should say, right? Temptation and testing, and James uses those words interchangeably. But um, I think what really, the main point here is so that God would put protection over us from the enemy. Because the devil has big plans for us. He wants to destroy you. And Jesus says, you are to pray so that God delivers you from evil. You are to pray that God would put protection over you so that when you're driving, when you're going to school, so God would protect you from evil people around you. Again, circling back around, because your words have power. What you say is important. Therefore, Jesus says, pray these things, because they are important in your life. We are to pray for God's protection in our life. Everywhere we go, everything we do, from, from, from devil attacking us with temptations that we cannot stand up to. God, please protect me. And this, last, and this uh, last phrase, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, it's, it's interesting that um, a lot of the new translations do not include this phrase because there's actually a big debate uh, between scholars whether this was added on later or not. Um, and so, like, the new NASB and NIV Bibles actually don't have it in there at all. <clears throat> But if you actually, I've actually been reading, you know, back and forth, and there's evidence for both sides. So I would say it's a, it wouldn't hurt to include that. <laughs> um, because it kind of circles back around and gives God the glory. Um, and, and yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's, a, that's an amazing conclusion. I would really include that. And all of you have been praying that all of your life by the way, <laughs> so might as well not change anything. Just go with that. I don't even know if you need this information, but it's good to know. And that is, in essence, the end of the prayer, right? I'm going to be concluding here. Um, what I want to say is this. Um, maybe you're going to walk out of here and say, that was interesting, or okay, I, I didn't know that, or something along those lines. But nothing is going to change in your life. The more I preach, the, the older I get, the more I realize that good sermons don't change people. What changes people is when they apply the information they receive. I want you to remember that one. What's going to change you is, number one, obviously, a revelation of God. If God speaks to you directly, number two, it's the application of what you hear. If you're going to walk out of here and say, 
Wow, that was, that was good. That's it. Nothing is going to change. But if you're going to walk out of here, and I'm really hoping that that's what you're going to do, and you're going to say, God, please help me, but I'm going to apply this principle in my prayer life. And I'm going to make, and I'm going to make this a model for my prayer. Because every single one of you has a model for how you pray. You come before God and most likely you're, you know, you're repenting. Um, and then maybe at some point you're praising God. I, for some reason, highly doubt you ever say things like, your kingdom come, your will be done. Although maybe. But this is what Jesus identified as important. He says, don't be like the Gentiles. They keep on repeating the same things over and over and over again. Like your needs. God, please give me this, 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 and this, and this, and this. A laundry list. Got it? Did you write it down? Because I got to go. Right? Jesus says, this is important. This is what you ought to pray. So my prayer, my desire today, is that you take this and you apply it. This is very practical. You apply it in, in your everyday prayer. Because everything that Jesus has pointed out here is important in your life in your spiritual walk with God, so that His will would come, and so that you are not trying to do your will, and you're not trying to tell God what to do, trying to change His will. God, but I really want this, and I really need this. No, Jesus, your will be done, and let your kingdom come, and let me be a part of that. Protect me from evil. Put your protection over me. Give me what I need today. Sometimes I don't even know what I need, but God knows. Can we all um, rise? I'd like us to pray <clears throat> that God would help us, um, that God would help us to implement this, because I really think that it is important. I really think that God had a purpose. And when, when his disciples, when Jesus' disciples came to him and they saw him praying, they saw a relationship with God. They saw a living relationship with God. And I pray today that it's not just a, you know, a model that you take and, you, you know, and, and it becomes a ritual. That your prayer is a relationship with God, first of all. That first of all, you come and you say, Daddy, I love you. I worship you. I worship you. Let's pray. <clears throat>